read and research about technology companies and what's coming down. So say for example, you're an Instagrammer and but you might understand how search engines work now because actually you know they're doing hashtags and tagging yourself into places and uh, adding your friends means that actually you're growing your follower, growing mm-hmm. your followership. So that is quite an interesting way to look at it because actually it's the same thing with getting into technology. Being interested in what you do actually makes things a lot easier. At university, I studied politics, and yet here I am, someone who's worked in the technology industry for over 10 years. Why? Because I read about it, I got interested, and that started to stoke the fires of a passion that I never knew existed. I can only back up and endorse Thea's points that she made in that short clip. This whole interview touches on those kind of themes and the pathways that people take into the technology industry. So a slightly different spin to some of our interviews, but one that I think is really valuable and really interesting. This is Tech Talks. I'm David Savage. It's your twice weekly podcast for people who love technology. On today's Tech Talks, it's a a welcome return to absentee co-presenter Jack Pierce. I'm back. I'm back. And, and, and viewers of our Tuck Shop show last week will know that I've been on holiday in San Francisco. How many times did you mention it on the Tuck Shop? Just five. Uh, we mentioned that Anas was a doctor six times. So, I mean, look, Anas being a doctor is infinitely more impressive than me going to San Francisco. But still, it, they've both got a lot of mentions. How did you find San Fran? Did it did it uh, meet your expectations? It's fantastic. I mean, I'm. I was saying to Rosie and, and some friends afterwards that it's it's like New York without the Londonness. So if you go to New York, it's like London but full of Americans, right? There's no difference. Everyone's rude in your way. It's very busy. San Francisco is as big as New York or as big as Manhattan, but people are just nicer, kinder, friendlier. Can't help you enough, and it's just it's a lovely city. Um, but one thing I did notice is they're getting fed up of big tech. Oh, well, this this is unsurprising. You know, yeah. it's well documented that there is a massive homeless issue and that when we talk about the haves and haves nots, um, that's mm. been greatly exaggerated um, yeah. in a very small space. There's 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 a village of homeless people uh, you can you can you can walk across in like in central San Francisco and you know I didn't obviously go over and engage with them all but you know the the word on the street is that you know you can be a software developer or whatever you know like a relatively normalish job but in San Francisco get paid an infinite amount of money like loads of money and then that obviously puts house prices up which puts people out of houses and it's a it's a nasty cyclical environment that they're they're getting stuck in out there. Mm. serious yeah. stuff right it is it is not the usual open to our show no. i mean i we read about these things don't we and sometimes they can feel a little bit abstract and mm. distant so mm. i can only imagine that going there and seeing it firsthand yep. obviously brings it to, to to bear in a little bit more reality yeah, and look, we're talking about. I mean, I don't, Silicon Valley's not even in the city, um, and it's it's having such an impact on the, on the whole area, the whole Bay Area. And you know, I I would say of all the cities I've been to across the world, which you know is not millions, but fair few, I would say it's got the biggest disparity in wealth I've seen. 
apart from New Orleans, which is a, a, a different political story altogether, but hey. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we're not going to be able to save the world uh, on this quick intro. So <laughs> I think what we can do, though, is move on to a good news story, which is um, thanks to Thea from ServiceNow, talking all about her route into technology and uh, why she enjoys it so much. But stick with us. Afterwards, myself and Jack will have some commentary on it. And then, of course, there'll be some news later on in the show. So today we're talking to Thea. Uh, you're an account exec here at ServiceNow, right? I am. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's Friday afternoon. Yes. And when I walked in the door, you were enjoying some Skittles. I was, yeah. <laughs> Quite a slow day or? Part of the snack bar that we've got here at ServiceNow, so. You have some very nice offices. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of greenery kind of dotted about the office. Yeah, I think we've uh, upgraded our offices recently and it's now pretty reflective of it's a great place it is to work. Now, what is an account exec? Because that could be any number of different... I mean, all right, largely people will have an idea of it, but there'll be nuances from one company to the next. To the next. So I think um, an account exec is looking after financial customers. Mm -hmm. So I look after investment management, asset management, um, and some of the banks within yeah. the UK. Um, I've recently just changed roles. Mm -hmm. So I originally was a regional alliance manager and before that I was a strategic alliance manager and now I'm on to my um, third round, which is account exec at ServiceNow. And what does ServiceNow actually do for those clients? So ServiceNow, effectively, we are we're a workflow company. So mm -hmm. we, we look at manual, everyday tasks and we turn them into an automated response and I think where people get confused is if you think about what you do in your everyday life and how easy it is to use your phone or any of your personal items they're always automated your apps are automated you look at Netflix it knows what it predicts what you want to do and actually ServiceNow is looking at how can we make work more like your personal and how do we automate your everyday mundane tasks so an example being if you're typing an email it might suggest an to that email based on is that a bad example? I'm just trying, trying to kind of put that into some kind of context. So, so some workplace examples that people might go, oh, okay, right. So if you think about in tech, if something breaks in your data center, yeah. how does that, how do you fix that process? I see, okay. So if, for example, you are the head of IT at a customer mm -hmm. and you know that every Tuesday your servers break, actually what ServiceNow will do is they'll go, Okay, David, every Tuesday your same server is going to break, so therefore we're going to send you a notification before to let you know that it's going to break, and then we're going to automatically start fixing it for you every Fine. Tuesday before it even happens. So we're predicting, but also we're fixing. So is it that big piece rather than necessarily going and looking at the individual issues for each of those employees within a business and going, hey, here's some processes that might affect them at their desk? Well, interestingly, we can do that as well. So... One of the things that I do with my customers is called a Learn It Now Day. So mm -hmm. we'll come in and we'll set up in one of their offices and I'll get different people from different product specialties to come and sit down with the head of IT, the head of customer service, the CHRO, mm -hmm. and say, what are you and your teams doing every day that we can help automate? How can we help make give you guys back time within your day because we're fixing issues and we're automating problems that you've already got? Now... We first met because I, I spotted that you were nominated for an award, a Women in Tech Award. Yes. How did you end up at ServiceNow and in the tech industry? Because you're not you're not in a hard tech role. You're in a no. you're in a you're in a services role. Uh, originally, funnily enough, I 
moved from New Zealand about six years ago mm-hmm. and I joined HPE. Um, when I left New Zealand, I just had in my head that I really wanted to work for HPE. It was the big brand name at the time and I messaged their MD and who was a VP of sales at the time and I, was, I convinced him to give me an interview. And I had five fabulous years there and then eventually it came up to, I saw that ServiceNow was popping up here, there and everywhere. Customers were talking about them, the alliance partners I was looking after were talking about them and I was fortunate enough to be approached by ServiceNow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been here coming up to two years and I really love it. Well, in that time, you've, as you alluded to, you've got what, three different roles as well. So Yeah, I think it's... Um, an impatient mind and lots of opportunities. I'm just very fortunate that there's lots of people here supporting me to try and do the next role and be better at what I'm doing currently. Do you think of yourself as being a woman in tech? Or do you think of yourself as, as just being someone who works for a business that happens to work in the tech market? I heard an interesting phrase today that actually we shouldn't call it women in tech, we should call it um, gender in tech. Yeah. Because actually there's a lot of men who are very supportive of women being in tech. And a lot of companies are trying to go to a 50-50, well, more towards a 50-50. Um, I think if you look at ServiceNow, we have what's called a, a DIBS team, or Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging, led by Pat Waters. And all of that says to me, actually, it's about being inclusive as mm-hmm. opposed to being exclusive. So I guess it's transition for me that maybe I would have considered myself a woman in tech, but now I actually think of myself as being part of the, the gender category in tech because you want everybody to feel like they're part of something. Do you think that that diversity, inclusion and belonging seems to be an important then, I suppose, from the narrative? Because we tend to focus on, on gender when it comes to tech, but there are huge problems when it comes to people coming in from ethnic minorities and, and a lack of representation in the, in, in, in the industry. Exactly. And also now you've got to consider uh, mental health and awareness. Yeah. Um, then you've got people with sort of a you know, maybe it's disabilities or whether they're physical or whether they're mental, how do you get other people involved in the workplace? And that is the whole diversity, inclusion and belonging because actually everyone should feel like they belong. You Mm. should always be authentic self. You shouldn't have to pretend like you're somebody else and you should always feel included. And that's part of what ServiceNow is trying to create. Interesting that you touch on mental health. Um, You work in an industry where I suppose clients would expect you to be available and that can place certain pressures on you plus you work in a sales role and sales role tends to come with a certain amount of pressure too how how openly spoken about is mental health within the organization or is it something that you try and encourage locally so i can only speak for myself personally but i mean i've struggled with anxiety for many years Mm -hmm. and i've spoken about it quite openly within our cultural teams we have what's called the culture champions here and i've spoken out about that I think that there's always people to support you. One of the things that I know some companies do is they have um, mental health ambassadors. Um, We're very supportive of um, what we call well-being here. So things like in September, we're we're running, we're doing um, a walk every day between lunchtime around Staines. Mm -hmm. So everybody can join. It's really inclusive. And what a great way to like get out of the office, enjoy the sun, but Things like that. that Whilst it lasts, this summer's not been a particularly good example. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think it's um, it's important, right, to talk about mental yeah. health, how it affects people. It's becoming more and more of a problem. And I've become very, um, you know, one of the hot topics that my friends and I talk about externally is how does social media affect people? 
how do you think it does affect people? I mean, if, you, if, if you've kind of had that conversation with your friends, what, what, what kind of conclusions did you guys come to? I would worry that now it's become a given as opposed to an exception. So mm-hmm. when I was in my teens, it, you would be an exception if you had your phone and you had Facebook, you know, you pe- like it would very much your parents were more involved in it. There's, but now it's turned into, there's a lot of positives. Like I pretty much do all of my shopping based on Instagram or off the apps on my phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but equally, it can, it can be very intimidating for a lot of people if you don't mm. look and fit the mould. Yeah. That's kind of, if you think about diversity, like dibs that we run here, we want everybody to feel like they can be themselves. Kind of linking to that, I mean, what, what makes a good salesperson? Because sales traditionally does have quite a strong image you have to portray a certain type of personality that you think a client might respond to. And yet actually someone who's aware that social media might not be all it's cracked up to be and is open about the fact that you suffer with anxiety and has a diverse team, that suggests yeah. that actually that slightly archaic idea of what makes a good salesperson is is outdated, right? Yeah, but what does make a good salesperson? A good salesperson's got to have, got to be able to listen. They've got to be able to understand. They've got to be able to keep up with current affairs and events because I think that's the only way you can be relevant Mm -hmm. Um, but interestingly enough most organisations when they try to hire a salesperson in a junior role they'll still say to them you know what experience have you got of selling which always that's the whole walls of Wall Street sell me this pen Um, Joe one of the conversations I've had here previously about where we find talent from because actually everyone, every CIO and CHRO's number one on their agenda is keeping and hiring talent. Mm-hmm. But how can you keep hiring talent if everybody is just, if everybody's in a great role and everybody wants to keep talent, then you've actually got to grow it. So we recently here, for example, just raised, um, just started doing a, a solution consultant associate program. Right. So these guys are either fresh out of uni with little or no IT experience but a really a happening interest um, we've got one lady who's joined who is early 20s and she ran she was running events before here and we've got a nine month program and we are helping them to become really great SEs they've just got to have a little bit of you've got to have personality be, be invested and be interested in, in what we're doing but then equally I've heard other people, we're trying to hire people from industry. So maybe instead of a salesperson to sell to the police, why don't we hire a policeman? Mm-hmm. Who knows the police better than somebody who's worked in the business? Okay, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you don't necessarily, or should maybe see yourself as a, as a woman in tech, but you were nominated as a rising star yeah. in that category. Yes. Uh, you work in sales, which is traditionally male-dominated. You work in technology, which is definitely male dominated um, so you are you are someone that some that, that some people coming into the industry could look to as a as a role model effectively whether or not that makes you particularly comfortable or not I don't know but you've always got to be proud of yourself don't yeah you? how or rather what advice would you give to those people who are interested in the industry what would you say to them the one or two things that you would kind of earmark is think about this before you go into into any line of work Read and research about technology companies and what's coming down. So say, for example, you're an Instagrammer, and, but you might understand how search engines work now because actually you know they're doing hashtags and tagging yourself into places and 
uh, adding your friends means that actually you're growing your follower, growing mm-hmm. your followership. So that is quite an interesting way to look at it because actually it's the same thing with getting into technology. If you're interested in technology, whether that be because you think it's about you know plugging APIs and integrating into servers or it's about automating workflows, being interested in what you do actually makes things a lot easier. And then on top of that, I think always ask questions. That's one of the things that I'm very good at is I'm always questioning things. I'm always asking people to help me with things, being interested, being invested. And 99.9% of the time, people will help you out. You um, you were kind of driven to work for HPE at that initial part of your career. Yeah. And you approached them and they hired you. Why, why do you think they hired you? Honestly, don't know. When I've asked that back, so if I think back to it, I messaged them on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I think they just thought that was quite funny because at the time, six years ago, LinkedIn was just starting to take off. And there was a little bit of a, wow, someone's reached out. They're, they're interested. They really want to work here. Yeah. That's exciting. Then it was the interviews and I was fresh from New Zealand and I had no idea where Bracknell was and I had to get the, I remember it to this day, I had to get the train from Clapham and I was an hour late. So I've lived in London interview. for 12 years and I'm still not entirely sure where Bracknell is. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. Somewhere <laughs> so, west. Yeah. So I was an hour late to my interview and I was yeah. horrifically apologetic <laughs> and they told me they're like, we're giving you one more chance but don't be late and I actually rented a car and I got there an hour early. It was one of those things where you've, you look back on it and obviously you've made an impression, but you know, you've you proved yourself the second time around. Yeah. So you've had a number of different roles here. Yes. Uh, the business is obviously spending a bit of money on making the offices very nice. Looks provi- and providing you skittles, but I can't imagine that's <laughs> going to keep you here for the long term. What what is motivating you to stay at service now, say for the next kind of year or so? Good question. I think when I look at service now, we are constantly changing we're constantly growing mm-hmm. even since i've been here we've gone from four thousand people to over six thousand we're on a journey to four billion we're constantly adding new products which we in- ingrain into the platform and i really love working somewhere where there's you know there's lots of different places to bounce your ideas off of people everyone's super helpful and friendly I do different projects, including the Culture Champions being included in Dibs. We've got customer events coming up. Um, I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. It's a great place to work. It's probably good if your boss hears that that you say. (laughs) She knows. My boss knows. Well, look, thank you for giving up some time on a Friday afternoon and spending a little, well, a few minutes talking to us. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Women in tech. No, let's just talk about gender in tech. On let's, board just, that. let's just short on that even more and just call it Git. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Fia makes um, a, a point that's, you know, relatively common to, to people within the community, but one that always needs to be um, shoved down people's throats again. You know, it does need to be regurgitated over and over again. This isn't an issue just with women. It's an issue for all genders. Uh, and as we know, gender gender is now a spectrum. It's not just, you know, black and white, man and woman. Um, and it also, you know, it's just a more inclusive way of making our uninclusive sector more inclusive. She is entirely right to point out that there are lots of supportive men and there have to be lots of supportive men yep. to help move that dial. Uh, so I suppose it's appropriate to talk about gender in tech. Um, mm-hmm. There is part of me that thinks that whilst 
women are so badly underrepresented. Yep. You need to have the women in tech focus to draw attention to just how bad a problem it is. Mm-hmm. And if you talk about Git, uh, it, it might obscure the reality and just how little has actually been done to move that dial. Yeah, I mean, we we saw a good couple of years ago, um, I think June Angelides was on this panel at Unbound, uh, as was Rio Edward Brown. You know, one, one of them two said, you know, in five to ten years' time, this shouldn't be seen as a woman's panel at a, at a forum or a conference. It should just be seen as another panel. Um, so you do still need to have those obvious kind of signs that this is, you know, there is a paradigm shift happening. But obviously yeah. the goal being that it, it gets so inclusive that no one even notices it anymore. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it is it is an unusual route into technology. Uh, sales <laughs> is often much maligned, yep. um, but I, I think that Thea talks about it with with great kind of credibility and purpose. I, I I loved that she talks about being interested in what you do. It makes things easier. Read, ask questions, and I I've always found that to be true. If you're entering into a new sector and you want to get genuinely interested in it and get the detail reading sparks that natural human curiosity and i think in any role but particularly across the tech industry if you're new to it and you're coming from from a non-traditional route into it that is such a good piece of advice and one that i'm sure we all know but often overlook and don't do enough of no, 100%. And, you know, just to back um, her point up, she, she goes on to talk about why hire a salesman to sell to the police when you can hire a policeman and train. You know, sales is such a fantastic route into technology for anybody. You know, I don't think anyone really needs that much experience when going into sales. I think, like, like, says and as the dial shifted more you just need to be a good listener understanding empathetic um and you know open to forms of communication i think the more people getting into tech via non-tech roles the better surely because you know you bring in other perspectives um and you know you might not think the same way as a lot of techies and i think it's i think it's you know it's not the most unique path into tech but it's certainly a fantastic avenue in because you know you could be a great salesman uh, but you want to get into tech and you know just pick up the phone and start selling then yeah and I, I love the way that she describes and charts her journey and you can see why she's done so well and why she's been nominated as a, as a rising star within the industry you know uh, she describes yeah. it as having uh, an impatient mind and lots of opportunities <laughs> and it, it ties back to that idea of continuous learning that we've been talking about a lot on the podcast recently but that that is that learning attitude the right mindset towards learning that's going to help you progress it's kaizen um as as the japanese invented and as joey barton likes to copy uh, kaizen is the art of continuously improving and i think by doing your reading by doing your research by asking questions asking for advice all these things that Spear says you are always in a state of kaizen you are always looking to self-improve and anyone who does that is is going to be a not just a rising star a bloody star yeah, but I, 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 I love that she said impatient mind because I think yeah. it's that impatience, that, that desire or need that drives the ability to then go and go away and look things up, right? Mm. I mean, it depends what, what, what you class as patient or impatient. I mean, I have an impatient mind when I'm watching Arsenal losing at home to Aston Villa. And then, you know, we turn it round and I'm an impatient mind for the whistle to go, you know. It's... Um, I think impatience is a great thing when you when you wrestle it with you know you can't let it take over too much because then impatience can really affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I, I like that we also captured at the beginning of the interview a little bit of a uh, a good little example of automation helping. Yeah. Uh, you know, with this idea that that work will be more like your personal. What are service now doing? They're predicting and fixing. I loved that yep. phrase, predicting and fixing. Yep. I think that's a great way of thinking about automation when it sits in the background and lifts the grunt work off humans. And, uh, you know, in those first three minutes, four minutes of the interview, play that to anybody who's worried about, you know, the rise of robots taking over jobs and things like that. You know, all you've got to do with automation is understand that it's here to supplement and augment our daily monotonous monotonous tasks. And, you know, um, ServiceNow, we're also using it to predict and fix, as you say. So this isn't a bad thing. This is, you know, it's it's almost um, a no-brainer. You're not describing your job as monotonous, are you, Jack? No, but there's a lot of parts <laughs> of my job that could be, you know, opened to automation. You know, I'm a content uh, proposal writer. You know, if I could automate half a proposal to write itself based on old requirements and old answers then uh, my job would be so much easier at the what do you moment think do, what, what do you think you do with that extra 50 percent time um oh, i mean there's plenty of reddit to scour during the day <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no it is you can see it and every everyone can look at the most boring part of their job and provided it's you know 60 percent of the workforce it can probably be automated like i don't know how you, i mean we had this idea ages ago i don't think you'd ever want an ai robot cutting your hair but you could have you know a little you, you've got the roomba that goes round the room and sweeps up all the hair you know that's almost an automated process for hairdressing but mm. you know it's a slightly older way of doing it i guess but hey people always look to way for easy ways to uh, solve their solutions and that is automation yeah yeah absolutely i i love the fact that her office go on a, a daily walk at lunch i think that's a it's a wonderfully healthy thing to do um we unless, try unless you're based in central london i was gonna say we try it here in victoria <laughs> and it's not actually that nice and it might actually do more damage than it's worth but when you're out in where did she say there were slough yeah yeah i think i think it's slough i'm just trying bracknell. to remember where was it bracknell no it's bracknell wasn't it so they've got one office in Bracknell and the other office. Oh, Staines. That's Stains. it. Staines, of it course. Ali G. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's 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 a bit cleaner air around there. Whereas Liverpool Street and Victoria for us, you don't want to just go aimlessly walking around here. It's not good for your mental health to do that here. No, no, that's a shame. And you know what? It's an argument for more green spaces and pedestrianised streets and actually uh, automated. Uh, vehicles running at night so that in the day it's a bit it's a bit clearer hey it's another good idea remember those robots that we were talking about ages yeah. ago you know the, yeah yeah that deliver packages there, there was going to be that we had the guys on the show that were going to use that for like uber eats and just eat and Deliveroo, but i don't know if that's really kicked off yet no i think i think we need to do a follow-up and say follow-up pup yeah because we want to be able to walk around in the daytime and not breathe in noxious fumes it would be nice. I mean, you would think it's a basic human right. You would, wouldn't you? Anyway, yeah. look, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely loved your, uh, your input to Tech Talks, uh, but we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will have a little bit of news. 
once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Just before the break, we were talking about noxious fumes and erring towards the environment. And I thought I'd let you know, Jack, that Google have signed up to $2 billion worth of wind and solar investment. Hey, that's some good news. Hmm. So what, 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 like wind farms, solar farms? So Google's chief exec has revealed plans for the biggest renewable energy deal in corporate history. Um, so they've basically said that clean the clean energy deal will include 18 separate agreements to supply Google with electricity from wind and solar projects across the world. The search engine's green energy portfolio will grow by 40%, giving the company access to an extra 1.6 gigawatts of clean electricity. Hey, in back to the future. How many gigawatts do they need uh, from the lightning bolt? Oh, I can't remember that, Dave. Oh, he's really, I think it might have even been around 1.6. Uh, <laughs> great Scott. Anyway, um, the equivalent... Uh, yeah, sorry, I've got... Sorry, sorry, right there. Uh, the equivalent capacity of a million solar rooftops, anyway. Wow. And this is to power just Google, not the grid? This is to power Google. Okay. I like how Google also still called the search engine. <laughs> That's a bit yeah. of a shade, that is. I like it. <laughs> yeah, not just the technology overlords. Yeah, the conglomerate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, this is good news. Uh, it's it's a good idea. It's good PR for Google. You know, if they're going to power themselves on renewable energy sources, you'd like to think more people will follow suit. Um, yeah. Again, Google can do this, absolutely. America needs to do this more and more and more. But until China yeah. and Russia also do this, you know, you're going to be still swinging with one arm behind your back. So, yeah, it's uh, look, we're all four steps in the right direction, and this is a huge one. So let's let's applaud that. Yeah, I mean, Google Google is apparently the largest corporate buyer of renewable electricity in the world. But let's be honest, it's got the cash reserves. It needs to set an example. We were talking about the fact that big tech is much maligned. Well, you know what, guys? There's always going to be critique. There's always going mm -hmm. to be stuff that we have grievances about. But where you can make tangible differences that will help the environment and help society, do it. So it's good to see that they are ex doing exactly that. 100%. It's like we say... It's a step in the right direction. And I guess Google are one of the lesser evils in comparison to your Facebook and your Amazon. Yeah, I don't know. That's only because we've seen the scandals. Uh, yeah. Like dirty laundry. Uh, do, yeah. do I think that there might be some stuff that we would find just as unsavory about Probably. some of the other companies? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, 1.21 gigawatts. It's 1.21 gigawatts in Back to the Future. And this is 1.6. So... Google could send uh, Marty back to the future. Hey, well, look, if they want more good PR, do that. Just don't tell any score, um, football results or lottery ticket numbers, right? That's the that's the only deal. That's the only promise we need to make. Maybe they could tell you that Arsenal will turn it around at the weekend and then you won't be quite so impatient. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's a good point. But then yeah. I would have put a load of money okay. on that exact result, Dave, and who knows what could have happened. You know, the butterfly effect and all that yeah. lark. 
That's very true. <laughs> right, anyway, on that note, yeah. uh, I think I will say goodbye to you and to our audience, and we will be back with another show on Friday. <laughs>